Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. If you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're, they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review. Uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen. And Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley along with my esteemed co-host, the one, the only, the big sexy himself, Phil, the Iceman Mendoza. How you doing tonight, Phil? Good, man. How are you? 
I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm not feeling tired and really worn out and drained like some of the past days I've had. So I'm I'm really feeling good. Right on. I <clears throat> see so you got a snazzy looking shirt on there. I do have a snazzy looking shirt on here. You know what this shirt is? I do. That's an alpha shirt right there. This is an alpha shirt for alpha motherfuckers to wear around. That's right. You want to be an alpha, you better go get yourself an <laughs> alpha shirt. Phil, where can people find these sexy-ass alpha shirts? You can go to alphabowhunting.com. Pretty simple, right? That is simple. What do they run over there? Oh, they're like 22 bucks or something like that. That's, that's crazy. That's a crazy price for the amount of sexiness this will bring into your life. Instantly, I guarantee chicks will gravitate towards you. Because if you've got if you've got the balls to wear a shirt that says Alpha on it, you know that you know women are going to gravitate towards that. You know if you're married, I'm sorry all those you know married couples that I'm going to cause stress in your relationship by wearing an Alpha shirt. You know I'll start with that provision. You know and that's the thing. This says Alpha bow hunting, not fucking Alpha Pokemon hunting, which I know a lot of you <laughs> out there might be into. But let's get real. There's only one kind of hunting a grown-ass man over the age of 12 should be doing. And that's getting out there with some sort of instrument to try and harvest an animal to go home and eat. Although, hey, I hear, oh, man, it's getting these kids off their asses, blah, 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 blah. To do what? Walk around and stare at their phones? Kids need to have phones in their hands more? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's get a bow in these young people's hands. We'll go out there. Show them how to capture some big-ass animals. Speaking of helping people uh, shoot some big-ass animals, we're going we're gonna to continue with our uh, second seminar here tomorrow, which actually, if you're listening to this episode, it'll probably be a few days later. But uh, Is there a third seminar? There is. This third seminar is so going to be an elk calling seminar. That, that elk calling seminar. Yeah, we're going to get Jim Brennan in from uh, Rocky Mountain Game Calls. He's going to come in uh, and do – it was pretty interesting. I talked to Jim on the phone um, yesterday. And, you know, the guys that do a lot of the elk calling seminars and the competitions, you know, they've got their spiel. They've got their main go-tos with do this at this time, do this at that time. So I was talking to the guy, and I'm like, hey, what, what do you like to do? What do you think? He's like, you know, <clears throat> everybody likes to talk about tactics with elk calling with, you know – getting into a getting into a herd and and you know what to do at you know being aggressive hunting the rut and and you know that kind of stuff locating and he says i want to talk about some basic calls he said but i want to talk about hunting in the middle of the day and i'm like hmm, okay that's that's a little different you You're know like, a lot oh, of times i've you, never hunted in the middle of the day tell me about well, this middle of the day <laughs> i have you know and it's one of those things that it's funny because there's times in September, you know, anybody that's hunted elk in the West know that there's times in September that by 9.30, it's just sun is up, it's hot. You know, if, if you're hunting, you're, you're probably sitting over a water hole or you're sitting somewhere where it's cool and, and you think you might catch, a, you know, an elk cruising through to come get, like I said, go to water and then maybe go back to a bedding area. But he's like, no, I'm going to go over calling elk in the middle of the day. And I'm like, well, that's actually something that I'm interested in because... I don't, I don't call a lot unless the situation kind of calls for it, but even more so calling in the middle of the day. So we'll see. I'm, I'm excited for that. You know, Jim's going to be, like I said, uh, coming in. He's going to probably, 
you know, call for or do the seminar for about an hour. We will be recording it. I finally got the first portion of Aaron's seminar up. I'm actually uploading the second portion uh, right now. But um, so yeah, we'll be putting all the all the seminars uh, in in chunks <laughs> because uh, uploading long videos like these seminars are is a, is a pain. But that's the scoop, man. We got uh, we got a lot of a lot of stuff going on at the shop this next few weeks. I got a call. I got a message from a listener, and he was wondering: Do you have any good tips for somebody who wants to come from the east and do a DIY <clears throat> elk hunt near Denver? Um. I would probably say that uh, there's not a lot of elk around Denver where you can hunt. <laughs> so um, <laughs> if you're wanting to come to Colorado. Don't go to Denver. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to shoot it. You can probably shoot an elk in some people's backyards in certain places on the outskirts of town. But, uh, I hear it's Estes not Park very has well. a lot of them. Estes Park it has a lot of elk. Um, Evergreen has a lot of elk. And although you can hunt in certain places around Evergreen, uh, might not go over real well in some other places, but I mean, to, to answer that question, you know, I'm fairly familiar with Colorado and, and the process. I've, I've had some friends come out and, uh, from other States and come hunt Colorado, uh, it, you know, acquiring a tag, whether it's archery or rifle, you know, there's a lot of tags available and, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, as far as finding a unit, or a spot to go hunt, uh, you know, a lot of people throw a dart on the map and say, well, that looks like it's got a big chunk of national forest or wilderness unit, whatever it is, and then they start kind of breaking it down. But I, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of go a little bit, and I'm not trying to push anybody's business with this, but I'm going to just say it like this. If this is something you're looking to do regularly, let's just say that you're looking to come out, you know, Every other year, if you're going to make a commitment and you want to learn an area and, <clears throat> you know, hunt for five or seven out of the next 10 years, well, then, you know, you're going to spread your money out, your investment out over those five to seven years of coming out. If this is something that you're like, I want to just go out and experience it. I want to do it once. Maybe I'll get to do it again in 10 years. I'm going to tell you, you're probably going to have better odds if you look into having a, a guide or an outfitting business help you because unless you know someone that, that's willing to take you somewhere uh, and, 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 and take you by the hand and, you know, this is a great spot because we've scouted it or we know this or we know that, it's going to be too hard for you to go out and scout certain areas. You know, you can do a lot on Google Earth. You can do a lot with looking at maps. But I tell you what, I've looked at some awesome areas and maps and I've been to some some great spots that look like they hold a ton of elk and hardly seen track, you know? So it's one of those things that if you know somebody or somebody's willing to take you or somebody's been to a certain spot, okay, then, then take that into consideration. If you're throwing a dart, literally throwing a dart at a map and, and hoping to, you know, pick a spot and, and get lucky, I'm going to tell you, you might want to consider your options there because although you can, and if you you've got enough time, then yeah, you probably move around enough, or, or or you know find sign and 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 get lucky and and work hard enough. It's gonna it's gonna take time and and work. So that's where I would just say identify how much time you have. Uh, if it's something you're gonna be be able to do regularly, 
well, then maybe throwing a dart on a map, talking to some game wards, and starting to, to learn an area and, and research an area and put in the work. Well, maybe not. You might not shoot anything that first year, but that next time you come out, you're going to probably be in a better situation in the f- year after that, and you're going to start to you know l- learn a spot or a couple spots. So I would just I, just just answer that question. Is this something I'm going to be able to do once every 10 years or is this something that I'm going to be able to do, you know, every other year? Because if it's once every 10 years, then I would say you can probably go get a pretty good situation for 35 to 4500 bucks with an outfitter where they're going to be able to take you where there's animals. If you get something on the ground, they're not going to kill yourself to pack it out because they're going to help you. You're going to have a spot to stay, whether it's a spike camp or you're going to have a lodge. Um, the, the, the opportunities with an outfitter I would just say don't overlook it. You know, so many people want the DIY thing, but they don't want the DIY thing because there's a lot of work and there's a lot of failure and there's a lot of learning curve with a DIY thing. So just answer that question. Like I said, if, if, you, if you want that, then just know that you're going to have to work twice or three times as hard. You're going to have to put in more time. It's going to cost you, um, again, like I said, more miles that you're going to have to probably hike around and, and, and learn an area and more phone, you're going to be on the phone for more hours. So, you know, once you start figuring out what you put into that, again, I'm not saying to go the lazy way and get a, get an outfitter. I'm just saying identify what your time's worth and, and see, man, there's nothing wrong with going. Some of these outfitters, I mean, some of the guys that are the hard, most hardcore guys, you know, are guides and outfitters. So if you tout yourself as that, as you want to test yourself, well, go hunt with some of these guys, you know, see if you can be, on their level and keep up with them and and learn from them because you never know. You might learn an area with an outfitter one year that you're going to be able to come back in a couple years and hunt very close to that. So there's options, man. It's just keep your options open, I guess, is the best thing I would say. That's that's, that's well said. Sometimes going with someone like an outfitter is almost like going with your own coach or trainer, right? You're going to learn a lot from an expert. And... um, helping them answer, you know, a half a dozen questions, it would probably make their group size shrink in half. So what would you consider a accuracy robber? I, I would say that a few things, right? If we're talking about um, accessories, let's just say we're talking about arrows specifically. If <clears throat> here, Here's a perfect, perfect one. I, a friend of mine, and I'm not poking fun of this friend of mine, my friend of mine, he... He likes extreme speed. He likes ex- he's drawn extremely heavy weight bow, and he just wants to know that whatever he hits on this animal, he's blowing through it. Now I'm talking about 85 plus pounds of draw weight and a 30 inch draw length. You know, so it's it, we're on the one end of the spectrum with extremes. So what we what we face with with the problem here is with his equipment. There's not very many arrows that are spined properly that are going to give him the speed he wants and still uh, perform great out of that bow. And this friend of mine calls me and says, man, my arrows aren't grouping. I'm not shooting as well as I would do with my other bow. And, and what's going on? And I'm telling him, well, you, your arrows are probably too weak. And the spine charts, he's kind of on the cusp, and, but you, you should always go stiff. And then here's another I- issue. You've got, when you start looking at spine charts, most of these spine charts tell you 100-grain tips or 125-grain tips, right? And... Well, what happens when a lot of these new micro diameter arrows have a 45 or 48 grain outsert 
that you're putting at the front of that arrow. Well, you just went from 125 grain tip to 145 grain tip, you know, figuratively speaking, and that's probably breaking down your spine more so than it was on that chart telling you if you're looking at it with a 100 grain point. And that's where, you know, again, if, if, you're, if you're not understanding the charts and the, and the guidelines and then going next, going into paper tuning and walk back tuning and group tuning, if all these signs are giving you erratic flight and giving you inconsistencies, then you probably have a setup issue. You know what I mean? And like this friend of mine, I told him, I said, man, we, we probably need to drop your draw length back half an inch because it looks like you're a touch long. We probably need to drop your weight back five or six pounds because those arrows aren't quite spined right for them. And to go into the next stiffness of series of, of arrows, you're, you're just like six grains per inch heavier than what you've got. Your speed's going to go in the tank. So just understanding, like I said, understanding the, the charts, understanding the setup, Making sure that the arrows you have are properly spined for your bow. Making sure that the the tips and and weights. Well, if you're putting weights in an insert, or if you got an outsert, or whatever the case is, you know some people want 175, 200 grains of point weight, and they don't realize that they're shooting 73, 74 pounds. And now they got 175 grains at the front of that arrow. Well, that you know at 28 and a half inch arrow. Well, that 30, 330 spine arrow is not stiff enough anymore. You know, you should probably be in a 300 spine. So things like that are accuracy robbers because they're taking the they're, they're taking your arrow longer to stabilize and to fly true, and and in some cases they don't ever really truly stabilize. So that's one thing. Your your group size will suffer because of that. Another simple thing is like knock pinch and knock fit. You know, so many people change from oh I want to go to these lighted knocks. You know, maybe you're shooting like a, uh, a G-knock or, or something like on a, a gold tip, for example, and they go to this the standard 246 size knock that pinches so much harder on your center serving. Well, that's going to change the way the arrow comes off the string. Um, it's going to change the way it tunes. Gonna, it just changes everything. So if you don't identify that and reserve that center serving to where it, it gets a proper fit, that's an accuracy robber. Um, <clears throat> Man, I mean, there, there's a lot of little things, and like pinch knots is another one. There, I, I see people come in that that they'll have, you know, a quarter inch worth of slum, maybe not a quarter inch, but maybe like a um, a half inch inside their D loop, and and their their knock is is swimming inside their D loop. Well, if that knock one time sits against the top knot and you shoot it and you're sighted in there, well, the other time you put it in, it's it's towards the bottom knot. You're gonna be hitting way so. There's just so many things that if you th if the variables that you can create just based on setup alone are incredible. Weighing your components, weighing everything to where you're weight matching your final arrow build to get it within a grain or a grain and a half of each other is huge. So a lot of that stuff like that is is what I'd say people that want to start extending their range to 80, 100, 125 yards, if you're not paying attention to every detail, then you know, you're you're just you're pissing in the wind, essentially. And nobody wants to be pissing in the wind when it comes to archery. No, I mean, shit, man. You know, it, scent is everything, right? And if you're pissing in the wind, you're blowing out the game. <laughs> you're going to get scented. <laughs> we'll talk about that stuff. We're going to go into some angled shots as well. And I'm, I'm not um, the guru by any means. I screwed up myself in my sheep hunt, but learning from those mistakes last year is something that I just want to be able to try to help some people out with and be aware of um, on extreme angled and extreme distance shots because, again, you know, ang angle compensating rainfinders are pretty good, 
you know, out to 40, 45 yards and, and less than a, a 20 degree slope, you know, 15 degrees and in and, uh, and 45 yards. Most people don't shoot good enough to notice the error at that distance. But when you want to start stretching it out to 80 to 100 yards and 35 to 40 degree slopes, <clears throat> there's a percentage of error in the range finders. And, uh, and it can bite you. It bit me last year. That easy. It's, uh, it, it's crazy because I, I actually met with a, an actual optics, high-end optics company um, like two weeks ago. And they just come through the shop. You know, they, they're touring the Denver area, and the sales rep brought them in, and we were talking, and we start talking about sheep hunting. And, you know, this, uh, this friend of mine, the sales rep, <clears throat> he drew a sheep tag this year. And so we just got, got on that topic, and I was telling him about my story about how I missed that first sheep that I, I shot at last year and I shot right over his back twice and it was uh and I, I, I said I you know, I told him I went back and I shot at a rock on level ground, you know, eighty yards and I smoked this rock and it's it's like what what did I do wrong? Well I start looking at the variables and it's the angle and, and the distance and, and that's where the it created the uh the percentage of error. So it it was uh you know, it's it's interesting, but it's it's it, like I said. The other thing is, how many people can go out and practice at forty degree slopes, at a hundred yards, and and actually be accurate at that? You know, not very many people. And if if you strictly go off an angle compensating rangefinder, um, I can tell you that if you're a decent shot, you're going to miss because it's not necessarily you. It's going to be that the that the percentage of cut that it's telling you to shoot it for is going to be slightly off at those far distances. And I've, I've printed some cut charts off some different archery programs and, and just tested some stuff. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to see the percentage of error just get magnified with the distance and the, and the angle. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that stuff, man. Like I said, it's, you know, if, if, if I can, if I can help somebody else tag out on their animal by, based off what bit me in the ass, I mean, that's, you know, that's what we're here for. You know, that's why these seminars are free. You know, we're not charging anybody. We're se serving them free dinner and, and hopefully giving them a, a, a little nugget of information or two and, and hopefully see a, more animals hit the ground. That's such a crazy difference from the, like you talked about before, even the CrossFit or Olympic weightlifting or some of these different fitness seminars where you'd have to go pay like 200 bucks a day to get that kind of knowledge. I know, right? It's That's where, like I said, the, you can see the archery industry, the hunting industry is, what would we say, what, five years behind the trends, you know? I, I, I think that eventually, you know, we'll see certain seminars like this where you can go out and, and maybe you're not going to sell out a, a big area, but maybe you get, you know, 30 to 50 people to go sit down at a seminar and pay you a hundred bucks or no pay a hundred dollars a day to, to come in and, and, and listen and learn. Um, and I hope I'm still around and I hope that I haven't, uh, forgotten everything. And I hope that I'm in a position to maybe, you know, be one of those guys doing some of those seminars at that time, but it's just not there yet. What, seminars like would you be interested in taking yourself like what would the you know, topics be honestly like i said calling is something that i'm decent at but i'm not great at and <clears throat> i'm always intrigued by 
different people's philosophies with when to call, how to call, and you know what position, what time to call. So, so calling is one thing that really is something that intrigues me because I, I'm the type of person that if I want to learn about something and there's a book on it or there's a there's a course on it, I'm I'm buying the book. Um, you know, I'm I'm reading the magazine article, uh, whatever the case may be. I'm I'm not afraid to spend a few bucks to help myself um, learn and and you know just try to to get it to get a little bit ahead. Um, I think that's something that's helped me along the way in all aspects of life. So spending a few bucks to get more more personalized instruction on something like that, I think would be huge. I would do that for sure. You know, I think that. I, I understand quite a bit on the technical side of, of how bows function, but as far as like designing bows and understanding why, um, you know, a certain angle of something got put in this way or, uh, you know, the understanding the, the, the load on, on the cables at, at, with this draw length at this type of bow, whatever the case is, I, stuff like that, I get a little bit geeked out on just because I, I understand a lot of what's going on and I'm intrigued by that kind of stuff. I don't think that's something the general public would really care about too much, but from my business uh, side of things and, and just me personally, I, I'd, I'd like to look, learn more into the engineering side and, and the, the technical side as far as how stuff gets built and designed. Other than that, man, I don't know, you know, fitness, it, it's, it's always, it's always uh, a never, never ending battle with, trying to better yourself and trying to, to be more efficient and, and especially as I get a little bit older and, and I start to feel a little bit more pain in my knees or my hips or whatever the case, it's like, you know, am I really doing the best for my body with what I'm doing right now? Am I doing, am I, is this movement that I'm doing that I've been doing this way for all my life, is it really hurting me more than it's helping me right now? Um, so stuff like that, you know, I'm, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, I may, I'm going to threaten here, I may threaten to, to, to start visiting, um, you know, my cousin's gym, Anchor CrossFit, a little bit more over the winter. Whoa, and, really? Getting well, into I, the CrossFit? I think just from a standpoint of just wanting to, I think the CrossFit community and, and the instructors and the people that really understand it well, understand movement, understand body positioning, understand balance, understand a lot of those things. And... I'm not, I don't know, you know, when I get into something, I go, um, for lack of a better term, I go balls deep, right? That's, excuse my language, any potential lady listeners out there, but it's just, for, for lack of a better term, that's, that's what we, we do, right? You know what I'm talking about, Will. That's the perfect and term. It's, it's, it is, right? It's something that the guys throw around as a term that's, uh, all you go in, all baby. in or you, you, or you do nothing at all. Exactly. That's life. So, that's what I think I'm going to consider, um, Maybe, you know, if it's once a week, if it's twice a week, I think I'm going to try a little bit more of that uh, this winter, just just from a learning perspective. I really am I'm intrigued with learning a little bit more and uh, being more efficient with my body. Next thing I know, I'm going to be getting the call. Will, I think, I think I'm going to go get my L1 cert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start throwing all that, that lingo. I PR'd with this today. And, <laughs> my, and, uh, my, my kettlebell you know, snatch. <laughs> What do you think about the 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 current you know workout and, and <laughs> what do you think of the open? What what's a good time for? You know for, what, man? I like I I have a couple recorded and I worked I I ran this morning on the treadmill and I actually pulled up one of the CrossFit videos I had recorded from ESPN. 
I enjoy watching that stuff, man. It's it's fun to watch. I haven't watched it yet, but I have heard good things of the film Fittest on Earth. I think this is called something like that. It's about all these CrossFitters and the games and stuff. And I don't know if it's on Netflix or someone said it was on uh, iTunes, maybe. But I, I would recommend maybe looking at that. I'm going to look into that, too. Um, did I even bring up that I'm coaching CrossFit now? I don't remember. Yeah, you did. You did. did. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. That coaching is a ton of fun. It's a lot of fun working with people. And I wish I had people to work with on, like, the archery side, you know? Yeah. And you know how we were talking about seminars? The one seminar I would love to attend is a seminar that doesn't exist, and that is one that blends archery and hunting and fitness all together. Not just like, oh, this is fitness. This is fitness for getting in shape for, like, mountain. But, like, real, like, shooting under pressure type stuff, moving with weight type stuff, how even if you're a deer stand hunter, fitness is important. Things like covering the whole spectrum. Yeah, no, um, I hear you. Touching back on what you said, having fitness integrated with, with hunting or archery, right? It, here's the deal. We all, we've competed and trained to hunt, right? I mean, it's something that, that's, it's a, current game that's, that, that Ken's created that's out there right now. And a lot of people are using that to test themselves and to see how they, how they stack up against other guys with similar mindsets. At the end of the day, is being good at trained to hunt going to make sure that you're great at hunting? No. Is, is being good at trained to hunt going to make sure you're in as good a shape as you can be or very good shape to be able to handle all things on said hunt? Yeah, you're going to be probably better off. Um, shooting under pressure is going to help maybe help you there, you know, practicing that. But the, the, the biggest thing that, is, that intrigues me about what you just said is there's different elements to being fit and hunting. You know, you take a guy like, like Jace, right? We've had him, we had him on the podcast, Jace Bowden. He's a runner, you know. Cam Haynes, he's a runner. Cam's kind of the hybrid because he's a hardcore lift guy and run. Uh, Corey, you know, one of the guys that came and worked out with us at the boot camp last week, he was, he's supposed to hit a 50-mile run this weekend in the hills. Man, I can't do that crap. You know, I, I'm not saying I can't. I'm just not. That's not something that's on my radar to, to test myself. I don't. What I like, I mean, can I hike 50 miles back and forth in the hills on a hunt and do that? Yeah, you know, if, if you need to. But to go and tackle that in one day on a, on a run, um, I, don't, I don't personally, that's not, that's not one of my goals. But you take that into account, right? So are those guys very fit? And if they're hunting, is that, is that one end of the spectrum? Yes. What about the guys that, that do the CrossFit or maybe do a lot of powerlifting movements and very strong? And, you know, are, are those guys going to be fit for hunting? Yeah, it's a different kind of fit. But the blend of things in between, I think, is what – or having a good mix is what's going to make you the best hunter you can probably be. But just like you said, it, it's one of those things that – there's the, that's the, that's the cool thing. There's no right or wrong or there's no, you know, this is the best way to be fit for hunting. No, if, if you're doing something and you're working out and whether it's, man, who, Pilates, right? Yoga. If you're doing that stuff and practicing archery, then 
you know, can you be ready for the hunt? Absolutely. If you're just strictly a trail runner and, and you want to hit the marathons and in the 10Ks, yeah, for 100% you can be a good hunter. But I don't know. It, it, there, there's so much debate because there's still a lot of people that hate on train to hunt because it's, you know, that's, it's, it's not real. It's not going to make you mean you're a good hunter. And like I said, having the instinct to be a good hunter is what makes you a good hunter. Learning from signs and being able to identify with the environment and read animal behavior and understand, you know, different times of year and weather and, and feeding pattern. All that stuff is what makes you a good hunter. Being fit is just going to make you be more comfortable to be out there, be able to, to, you know, not have to rest as much in between trips, hiking in, hiking out, whatever the case is. But I still think that I've enjoyed competing in the train to hunt events. But at the end of the day, like you said, actually just in stepping back and maybe working with people just on a, on a bigger, broader scale as to, yeah, you know, running can be very beneficial you know even you guys that like to do that that snatch stuff with the lifting weight stuff it's you know probably beneficial too yeah you know and the thing is <laughs> I, i'm reminded of uh I, I took a seminar with uh john north who was a national champion olympic lifter and he talks about the olympic lifting like the melting pot right everyone's got a different everyone's technique is different right no one's doing everything exactly the same and you should draw from everyone in the community right to blend your technique in this melting pot and i think about it like the bow hunting melting pot right you want to look at all these different types of hunting right blend them all together to make your technique and style of hunting the most successful it can be right and that includes that fitness aspect what aspect of that fitness is going to make you the happiest and most successful at what you're doing? Yeah, I, it's, yeah, it, it, like you said, it's just, it's that con constant evolution in trying to, to better yourself, to, to be the best version of yourself. But I agree, man, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the right blend for you. That, that milkshake has gotta be the right formula for each individual, individual person. And there's not a, an RX for that'll work for everybody. So, yeah, your milkshake should bring all the elk to the yard, right? <laughs> uh, only milkshakes that I know that are bringing the elk to the yard when those bulls are chasing those cows, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> oh man. So are you doing a lot of lessons now with people or what's what's that like on your end? No, you know, we it's 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 funny, you know, it's like I, I've done some online um I would say consulting, right? It's it's hard to do coaching online. Mm -hmm. It's more of trying to help people identify if they're having problems with a certain uh, re uh, a release or a site or their equipment and and maybe it's a couple form issues. So I'll do some of that. Um uh, How's but that going? Good. I haven't done any for probably a month and a half now. Um, but Did it work uh, out for these people? I think so. Um, you know, there's a couple of them that actually compete in in train to hunt, and uh, they've done well. 
and I'm not going to mention any names because it's not, you know, it's proprietary just secrets. Assume. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I, I've I've put that service up on on my website uh, for consulting and coaching and that kind of stuff. Of like I said, it's tough because everything's got to get done over like Skype, for example, or pictures or videos, and and some of it's just again implementing a practice structure or um, you know pr learning to implement a different different techniques with uh, yardage judging uh, that kind of thing. But um, that's something interesting you, know, you bring up is practice structure, right? I feel yeah. like a lot of people, and even myself, before joining CrossFit and kind of knowing how to write a workout or or something to that effect, uh, have trouble with an actual practice structure or don't have any structure to their practice at all. You know, they're just going out, they're going to shoot till they feel like they're good, and then they'll head back in and repeat the next day. Yeah. The whole adage of perfect practice makes perfect or, you know, not just practice makes perfect, but having some structure, having some some goals, and and uh, and it's some it's it's not anything that that was really taught to me. It was it was things that the things that I do now are the things that I've learned the hard way, and but at the same time, like for example, before trained to hunt a couple of weeks ago, um, so much of trained to hunt on day one is. Uh, is judging yardage you know it's 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 uh it's and and it's not panicking with with certain shot scenarios you know you got two shots a follow-up shot in 10 seconds and and if you're if you're peeing yourself before you you even get up to the line to take that shot well yeah your first shots might be okay but you yourself you're just hoping as opposed to you know hoping for the center of the target and um, you know, it's it's one of those things. I like I mentioned. I don't remember where I mentioned it, it, but I talked to somebody and I said that I hadn't judged a target until three weeks before. Two, not 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 even three weeks. It was less than three weeks. I hadn't judged a target in over a year. In, in about a year, from uh, after trained to hunt Colorado last year to about like I said, it was after the Alpha Challenge that we did, and that was on a you know holiday weekend. So it was like that following Tuesday. And I went out and I started judging, and I practiced every day in different times of the day and different, um, you know, different scenarios, different areas. Uh, but I've judged yardage every day for whatever it was, you know, 18 days leading up to to train to hunt Colorado. And I don't feel like I misjudged a target by more than uh, a yard and a half or so on on any specific target there. And it's not that I'm better than anybody else. It's just that I understand that what I need to do to get myself you know, back in the flow of judging yardage and, and, and the structure and the, the way that I go about judging yardage, it's, it's, it's structured. It, every time you walk up to a target, it's, it's the same thing for me. And it's not that it's the best thing for everybody. It's just that's what I can do. And that's what helps me make the least mistakes. So, you know, it's just, but I, uh, what were you doing you know, so for your yardage judging practice? I've got, I mean, I've got, oh, I think I have about seven or eight targets in my yard, in the backyard. And sometimes it was a workout in the morning, and then for about 30, 35, 40 minutes before I'd actually have to get ready to go to work, I'd run outside. You know, I'm still sweating. I'm kind of cooling down from a workout. 
and I pick up the rangefinder, you know, and I start, uh, at first what I do when I'm first judging yardage is I'll go to a couple targets and I'll start like at 20 yards and I'll stare at the target from at 20 yards and then I'll kind of look at it and then I'll kind of look away and just kind of gather my bearings. It's all about depth perception. Back up to 25 yards, same thing, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. Depending on what, about what I feel my furthest distance is going to be that I'm going to do at a tournament, I'll go about five yards past that. Work my way back in, go look at a different target. And I'll just start to acquire um, and get used to, again, of looking at different and first, you know, a couple days. And then after that, I get back into just looking at targets randomly. Um, at different distances, but then my just structure being of identifying, picking a, uh, coming to a yard, a yardage, by first just walking it, and that whole gut instinct that that looks that target looks like it's 43 yards. You know, that's just just what it looks like to me just by looking at it. Okay, then I'll back up and I'll say, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the halfway method. I'm gonna judge halfway to the the target, or pick a halfway spot and then judge to that and then double it, and then. Uh, I don't like to do the 10, 20, 30, 40 or whatever type deal. I don't like to break it into five or 10 yard increments because if you're off a half a yard on every five yard increment by the time you get 35 yards, you just miss by four yards. You know what I mean? So I don't like that. I feel like I can be more accurate by A, getting an initial distance on the target, B, going the halfway method. And that's, that's usually what I do on, on yardage. If someone's shooting in front of me, uh, sometimes you can listen on the arrow with with bow hunter setups. It's hard because everybody's shooting different speeds. But sometimes you can listen, right? If an arrow goes off and it's and then you can say, oh, yeah, that's out there. That's that's 45 plus yards based <laughs> off how long this sounded like that arrow's in the air. You know, it might be 45 to 55 yards, but at least you know what an arrow sounds like when it hits the target at 30 yards. You know, it's it's thump thump. You know, and then if it's 45 yards, that hole, it's like you know, you hear the whack and then it's thump. So. It's something that, uh, like I said, just years of shooting 3D and and understanding how other shooters break down judging yardage and, and seeing what works for you. And it's the little details. You walk up to a target, and if it's a newer target, and you see, you know, 12 arrow holes that are below the 8 ring, you know, it, it's telling you that most people are probably looking at that target and they're not judging it for enough yardage. So little things like that, like I said, it's... it's um, there's a lot of there's a lot of signs that will help you stay proficient. The thing that I like is shooting pins. You know, a lot of people like to shoot a, a movable tar, a movable sight, a single pin sight for 3D. And so I was shooting at um, what target was it the other day? I was shooting at a 40. I want to say I think it was like 44 or 45 yards deer. It's a big deer. okay, so it's a big deer target. But I was putting my pins on the target, and um, was it 40, 45 yards? So I went, and I, I was holding pretty steady on this target, and I was just looking at the target, and I was putting my pins on the target. You know that, that, that joke when people say, you know, what pins did you use? Well, I used all of them. You know, I don't yeah. know. I just put my pins on the target, and I shot the target. Well, in most targets, if you hold steady enough and you throw all your pins on that target, you're most likely to hit that target. You know, if you look at pin gaps and average pin spacing based off speed, I all my pins on the target, you know, on many targets out to about 45 yards, you know, 40 to 45 yards. And you think about that, and it's like, oh, I misjudged that target by four yards, and I missed it. 
Well, if you misjudge it, if you missed a target that's a 35-yard target, for example, by four or five yards and you missed a target, you probably had a pretty piss-poor shot that you executed too because your pin should stay on the foam at that distance with that yardage judging mistake. So it's, it's funny, man. Like I said, it's, it's something that a lot of people panic with, with things. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, I guess it's just, I've gotten used to it. That's good, man. That's actually some really solid advice. Well, it's it's you know, and people get people get uh, people get nervous when you talk about yardage judging, and it's like like that. If now women that are shooting lighter poundage bows, shorter draw lengths, not everything is falls suit. But if you can break if you can break yardage judging down to like five yard increments to where you say that target's between thirty thirty five yards. Okay, we'll start there, you know, and then start. You know, if it, I think that target's between 30 and 35 yards. Okay, well, you know, do your best shoot it for 32 yards in the middle of the middle of the target and see what happens. And as you start shooting more targets and you say, okay, well, now I'm going to, you know, eventually get used to breaking a target down to f within four yards and then three yards, it, then pretty soon you're going to be able to look at a target and say, yeah, that target's between us, uh, between 37 and 40 yards. Well, you know what? You're going to stay in the 10 ring, make a decent, halfway decent shot. So it's it's just a matter of putting in the time. Yardage judging is boring, man. It's, it it really is. But it's But there's no better way to get better at. It. Oh yeah, it's and that's that's where, you know, I I, I mean, I don't want to say I screwed up. I'm not trying to make excuses. I when when I went to Nationals a couple years ago, I didn't go last year for train to hunt. I put so much time and effort into working out that I didn't shoot my bow a lot leading up to the event. And I didn't practice a lot of yardage judging, and I missed two targets and nationals based off yardage judge mistakes. And it was one of those things that I, I sat back and looked at it. It's like, well, I, I still managed to, to pull out a win, but if there's anything I can do different, it would have been to, to focus on my shooting more. Because if I would have got out the gate in the lead there, then it would have been a totally different, it would have been a different event because, you know, it's, uh, well, I don't know. Who knows, right? What ifs? But yeah, I mean, events like that, 3D tournaments. If you can, if you can shoot halfway decent and judge pretty good, you you'll be in the running. Speaking of that, I mean, you're 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 actually again, you're you're going to be doing Pennsylvania this weekend, right? You're running that event. That's right. By the time this airs, Pennsylvania will have be gone and done with. But uh, as of now, man, I'm pretty stoked about it. Really looking forward to getting down there and uh, meeting, you know, all the guys. I know guys, a few guys coming in uh, who I already know, uh, like Paul and Jared. And, uh, Which Jared? Jared would be, actually, it might be two Jareds. I know for a fact that Jared, shoot, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his last name correctly. Let me look, see if I can figure that out. Jared, I think you would pronounce it Melky. Milk? I'm not sure. I'll have to ask him when I see him down there. But there's a few dudes I'm really looking forward to uh, catching up with that I haven't seen in a while. So that's going to be... Or meet for the first time, so it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. 
Cool. And Mr. Tex Grebner. Oh, that's right. I don't know how I forgot that. I was just talk, talking to him about it. Yep, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Tex Grebner, will be there. That's going to be a trip. That'll be cool. Um, then uh, my boy Trevor, who uh, we uh, was out working at uh, Colorado. He's kind of like uh, Kenton's right-hand man, Trevor Hampton. He, he'll be out there, so that'll be cool. Cool. Yeah, so get to catch up with him. He's helping me run. He came coming out to help run the event. So I think it's gonna be a good event, dude. Yeah. No, I Piazza, I've I've been there once and it's a very, very uh beautiful place, you know. And I would love to be able to head up there this weekend myself, but uh unfortunately work and family tells me to stay home and keep working. That'll happen, man. Yeah. So but yeah, man, that's the scoop. So I don't know. Uh, like I said, we'll have uh, we'll have some updates with the seminars we had this week. Probably by the time this one airs, you'll we'll have we'll have uh, seen the results from from Train to Hunt PA. Um, and season's getting close. I you know, know. I can't believe it. I'm I'm hoping to get up uh, the following weekend. Actually, with Braden, we're hoping to get up and do some scouting where we. Um, where we're going to be deer hunting, but, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that's, man, I can't believe how we'll fast see how it goes. Come. Summer's almost gone, dude. I don't even want to say that, but that's it's flying by, dude. I'm okay with it. The, the, the sooner get out, uh, in the woods and, and starting taking more days off of work and, and, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm looking forward to it. I can't I can't wait. So, yeah. Yeah, that's I guess the Natural that, Born Hunter podcast, brother. We're all it. wake up, chase your dreams, repeat.